We had virtually 10 wallabies in our Ramek side then, so it was a bit different from that aspect. The thing which the All Blacks did, and that's a midweek game, they picked 13 of their 15 test players, which is quite unbelievable. And Buck Shelford was a fantastic captain, a real warrior, and formidable opponent. They picked the 13 of the 15 and all the big names there, Kerwin, Fox, Michael Jones, the Wetton Brothers, you name it. Our biggest fear going to that game was we're going to get flogged and we'd let the club down. But we got out there and players just played out of their skins. It was two tries to one, Grant Fox kicked penalty goals out of scrum penalties and we were just so proud of what we'd achieved because we didn't get flogged. And we played against an All Blacks side which was a test team virtually and the All Blacks vowed after that never ever to play a, a club team again. Hi everyone, I'm Marjorie O'Neill, the member for Coogee, and welcome to Coogee Voice. Coogee Voice is a podcast dedicated to our local community. Each episode, we'll be discussing and talking with local members, including sports stars, musicians, small business owners, and anyone else about things that are happening in their life, as well as talking about the opportunities and challenges that they see presented to us. So join me as we explore the Coogee electorate and all the great people that live here. Well, joining me now is Simon Poitavan, and we're here to have a bit of a chin wag about his role at Ramwick Rugby. We're going to be sharing some insights about the season that has been, the role of the women as they've come into the club, and we reminisce on the back of the Argentina Wicks game. We then look into the future of rugby, in particular access to green space and facilities. Simon, welcome to Coogee Voice. Can you start by giving us a bit of a rundown about how all the teams fared this season? It was a great season in many ways, but we didn't win any uh, silverware. So uh, when we mark ourselves, it doesn't go down particularly well. We had seven sides, six in finals, which is fantastic. Um, first grade had a tough season as a young team trying to find their way, but they rolled a lot of the best sides in the competition and uh, lost to some of the worst sides in the competition. The women were very proud of. They... Um, they had their first season playing 15s. Uh, they got to a grand final against a very good Sydney University uh, 15s team and terrible conditions at Rat Park and, and got rolled. Um, but they'll be back next year bigger and better than ever. Colts um, has been one of the great shining parts of our club and we had two sides in grand finals. I got down for the last five minutes of third grade extra time. We lost to East, which is terrible. And then um, in first grade, Colts, uh, City University played the usual tricks and um, brought Angus Bell down from grade and uh, the scrum got pumped early on, but our guys fought back, uh, very proud of them. They were undefeated for two years before that game. So uh, we got immense talent coming through, um, but Ramick's used to winning premierships and that's what we've got to do. So watching the women, I think, is pretty amazing, right? You've got two Wallaroos there. You've got Arabella and Kiva, and then you've got Kennedy, who's a tar as well. So they're absolutely uh, carrying on the tradition of having, like, capped players and players representing uh, in super rugby as well as that is growing. But with the men's, who are the players that people should be watching? Clearly, Will Harrison's uh, uh immense talent, young young kid, not very big. Um, I saw him play last weekend in Queensland country. They're a big side and he is so brave, takes the ball to the line, keeps the other side really um, 
trying to guess what he's going to do. He's got a great kicking game. He's a great goal kicker. Uh, so Will's definitely um, a player who will, I think, one day wear the green and gold. Likewise, Benny Donaldson, um, fantastic player, 15 or 10. Outside of those guys, um, I think Tavita Vey, who's well, Dave Vey, our, our hooker, really should be playing higher levels of rugby. He's he's a machine, um, and I'm very proud of Tavita. He came from Tonga, speaking no language at uh, in the year ten. Got a bursary to uh, Newington College. Uh, has got on with his life. Has done very well. He's in the fashion business, and uh, so um, like checker. Yeah, <laughs> um, but there's talent all over all over this sort of club. So um, one kid in particular uh, who's who's coming through would probably be uh, Phil Kern's um, son Finn, and he's got a big future. Likewise, um, Tane uh, Edmonds, who's Steve Edmonds' son, uh, who played a lot of league for the uh, Tigers. That kid is is a freak, and he'll do very well. Are you picking up any new talent coming out of schools that are graduating this year? Yeah, we've got um, Pete Dumbledon running Colts this year, coming upcoming year, and uh, he's already done a great job. We've got a, a lot of great talent coming to the club. Clearly success draws um, players in. They like the program we run. They like the style of play we, we, we play. And they like the spirit of the club. So if there's one thing we've, we've found out this year, we've just got to strengthen ourselves up front. Uh, when Ramwick played Argentina, we had a had a situation where you're playing one of the best scrummaging teams in the world. Fantastic opportunity for our for our club, but we bought a couple of players in one one lad in from New Zealand who's a very good talent. Hopefully, he'll be back next year. Solomona, uh, and he's played seven years over there. He helped the front row, and then we had one of the Argy front rowers with us, um, Enrique, and some. And, one time during the game, we actually pumped their scrum. So that's what we want. Uh, and if we if we get the scrum dominance across the club, we'll start winning silverware. Yeah. Look, we'll come back to the Argentina Ramwick game and have a, a bit of a longer discussion about that because I think in terms of the display of that game was absolutely amazing. And as I said to you on the day, I had people lining up trying to get tickets to it, but I couldn't give away my Wallabies tickets for the night. So what that says about a club rugby and people's attraction to Ramwick as a club within our community, I think speaks volumes. Uh, but the Rugby World Cup is about to be kicking off. Australia's gone in ranked six. What are your thoughts about the World Cup, Australia? Who do you think are the teams to watch? Well, I'll give you an early, early sure bet. Japan will beat Russia in the in the opening game. Watch for that. Um, the Russians, the Russians um, are tough, but the Japanese will run them all over that ground. It makes a, means a big thing to the Japanese people and Japanese rugby. They got a rugby World Cup. Australia is pretty much as they were in 2015. Everyone's written them off, which is fantastic. Michael Checker loves that position of being the underdog and getting written off. And they've worked immensely hard. Why did they go to Numea? Because guess what? It's very hot in Japan right now. It's humid. They've prepared in the right way there. Uh, got some flack from guys like Jonesy. Why are they taking them away on a you know a little tour to uh, Numea? Well, it's the best place to prepare for uh, this World Cup. So they're fit. They're big. Um, and they're abrasive. If our, our set piece can be equal or dominate, we've got a good chance of getting to a final and possibly winning a final. Yeah. We, we played tournament rugby really well. We've done it in two, 2015. We did it in 2000 and 
um, 11 in New Zealand, um, 2003 here. We should have won the what Rugby World Cup in 2003 apart from Johnny Wilkinson kicking that friggin' drop goal. Um, 1991, one eyes in. Love being away, love touring. Australia does well for tournaments. Looking at the Australian team, who do you think are the players to watch? Hooper surprisingly gets a hard time from from uh, some media riders out there. He's a phenomenal player. He's a freak. He's got great speed. He was a beach sprinter. He rarely gets injured. Uh, just goes the whole game. So, like, if you if you're looking for a World Fifteen for me, he makes it. Pocock uh, has got a lot to prove. He's he's coming back from only two games this season, so it's going to be tough for him. But I, you know, he's an immense athlete, so he'll be um, a big big factor in this World Cup. I think um, in the uh, front row, Tolalata of, of all people, uh, the man who's got himself in more trouble than Donald Trump. Um, he's he's really reformed himself. He's not giving away red yellow cards. And he's a machine, so watch for him. And I think Nick White coming back at halfback is just phenomenal. So out of the lesser-known teams, who do you think we should be watching? It won't be Tonga. It won't be Samoa. It will be Fiji, as in the Pacific Islands. I think it might be sentimental, but I think Argentina will surprise everyone at this World Cup. That team is really so close um, and they've got a lot of speed. They've got a lot of skill. They can, uh, if they get round the big sides, um, not a minnow, but I think the dark horse is South Africa. South Africa have been quietly building for this Rugby World Cup. They've got players in from um, Europe, Pollard in particular, at 10, who is exceptional. They've got two halfbacks who are just superstars. And uh, they've got this massive forward pack who's skilled. And not often you see the, uh, the All Blacks monster. They monstered the All Blacks in New Zealand uh, this year. Yeah. Any thoughts about Japan? Uh, Japan, go back to the 2015 World Cup, coming back to the genius of Eddie Jones. They were just unbelievable. But the training regime of how he got them there should be a book. Like no other nation in the world could cop the metal torture that uh, Eddie put that team through to prepare him for the Rugby World Cup. And there's a fair number of foreigners in that team who've picked up the, the Japanese culture of hard work and don't give up and take take um, directions without without question. Eddie could do that with Japan. I'm not quite sure that the coach who's come in has them in the same mindset. They'll play out of their skins because they're playing at home and... They are a very skillful side. For the Japanese I've played against in my career, I think man for man, probably the most skilled players in the world. So right now, what's your prediction for the finals? Where do you see that bending up? Australia playing New Zealand again. I hope that's the case. So let's just have a little bit of a chat now. I want to know your thoughts about sort of the future of rugby in Australia. Um, going back to the game a couple of weeks ago, Argentina versus Ramwick, absolute sellout. Uh, the result obviously wasn't what the club wanted, but what that has done for club rugby and for Ramwick, I think has been immense. Where do you see the future of rugby in Australia? 
Well, you're right. The the local game is is so strong, and that was a freakish opportunity for us. And we put together in four or five weeks. And sure, we got beaten uh, seventy four blot. But you are talked the players after the game. They loved it. They loved the opportunity to be in that contest against some of the best players in the world. And with you know the Argies played the whole World Cup squad in the in that game. So. It was a great learning experience for our players. The crowd was just immense. And if you look at the photos after the game, everyone's smiling. Everyone's having a great time laughing. We sold a a lot of beer that day and there was no violence. There was no fights. There was nothing. It was just everyone having a great time. And that's what you find with with club rugby. Super rugby's got to reinvent itself. I'm not quite sure how it does it. I was lucky to be a commentator when in 1996 when Super Rugby began and it was just a phenomenal experience to call those games. Big packed crowds, very fast game. The game needs to evolve to being back that fast dynamic game and I would, I think if I could have my way, I'd have an Australian-New Zealand conference as being, being Super Rugby. It's good playing South African teams, but a lot of Australians don't get South African teams. They don't sort of work it out. Everyone hates a Kiwi, and all Kiwis hates Australians, so it makes a good mix for us playing against them. I think it's a big mistake with the expanded competition taking Japan out, and Japan uh, was on the road to doing something pretty special, playing a great style of, style of rugby. You know, you now sort of talk about, okay, why don't we sort of bring the US into the competition well? I don't know how you do that. Um, and Haguares were um, a phenomenal team this year. But again, a lot of Australians don't relate to to Argentinian rugby. So if you could have a trans-Tasman competition and we get to sort of try and beat up Kiwis every week, I think that'd be a, a much bigger crowd drawer. Um, and also, too, being a bit smarter about where they play the games. I think there's areas of regional New South Wales, and I'll obviously have to do it next year, and they did it this year with uh, with the Waratahs, with uh, Allianz being rebuilt. Um, there's a lot of support you get in country areas for the game. Um, but the other major change, I think, is the NRC is a necessary competition, but I'd make it a club competition. And so the best clubs in Queensland, New South Wales, you can throw in an ACT team, you can throw in a um, West Australian team, but that club culture would make that an incredible competition. So you played in the game versus the All Blacks uh, four weeks. What's the difference between, I guess, firstly, the game then and now, and what does it feel like, you know, now being on the board and being able to facilitate these types of games? So 1998, Game's still still amateur. Um, we we train like professionals, but we we're amateurs, so we we're, we're certainly all had jobs part time as whatever. The All Blacks on that tr- a trip again. It was probably a eight eight match tour. There were three test matches. I'd actually retired um, beginning of the season because Bobby Dewar had punted me as captain, and I uh, thought that. Um, I was going to lose my spot in the uh, with the Wallabies well, so I thought I'd go before I got punted. 
And coming up to that, uh, uh, the Ramwick game against the All Blacks, I was playing for New South Wales and, and Sydney and then was this game which was being talked about for a whole year beforehand because it hadn't happened before a club side playing the All Blacks. We had 10, virtually 10 Wallabies in our, in our Ramwick side then, so it was a bit different from that aspect. Uh, we had one against Argentina, be Ned Hannigan, but... The thing which the All Blacks did, now that's a midweek game, normally on touring tours like that, the All Blacks will play their test teams on the weekend and play a midweek team uh, on the Wednesday um, against you know, a province or a club side. They picked 13 of their 15 test players, which is quite unbelievable. Um, and Buck Shelford was a fantastic captain, a real warrior and formidable opponent. Anyway... They picked the 13 of the 15 and all the big names there, Kerwin, Fox, Michael Jones, the Wetton Brothers, you name it. So I thought our biggest fear going to that game was we're going to get flogged um, and we'd let the club down. And you know, and remember in those, in those days, we won grand finals every every year. I played for the club 11 years. We played in 11 grand finals. So you know, hey, well, what's, you're playing grand final? Yeah, of course, yeah. That's, that's what we do. So we had a we had a lot to sort of a reputation to protect, and our biggest fear was was a big floss. But we got out there, and players just played out of their skins. Now the All Blacks had an advantage in the scrum. I don't. I hit, if we hadn't been pumped a bit in the scrum, and Eddie Jones is not a big hooker. He's against Sean Fitzpatrick, and Eddie's so tough. But eventually, weight weight sort of came through. So we're a bit unstable in the scrum. But it was two tries to one. Grant Fox kicked penalty goals out of scrum penalties and we were just so proud of what we'd achieved because we didn't get flogged. And we played against an all-back side, which was a test team virtually, and the all-backs vowed after that never ever to play a, a club team again. Now, I've played in Australian sides who have lost to provincial teams on tour and it's not a, good, not a good feeling. So they went a little bit close. Going to Argentina versus uh, Randwick, I wanted... I worked so hard for that game because I wanted to give those players that same experience, experience they'll never, ever get in their lives again, some of those some of those kids, to play against some of the best players in the world. And what's different from there to now is all those players are professional, like they're big physiques, they're fit lads, they're just going to the World Cup. So they are at their optimal best. We finished our season, we sort of came back in. Yeah, clearly we had to sort of recruit a few, uh, few guys in to sort of strengthen our side but it was basically a, a ramwick side and first first 20 minutes nil all really fantastic attitude and then floodgates open second half first first 20 minutes one try floodgates then open but if you saw those players after the game they didn't care about the score they just cared about that experience and they'll carry it forever as the 1988 side will carry it forever it was such an amazing day and, you know, the result actually meant very little in terms of what it has done for the club and the opportunity that those boys have had. And as I said, you know, I had people calling me left, right and centre to ask if they could come with me to the game and I had already picked my brother to be my date um, and my Wallabies tickets that night, I had a plus one and I could not give it away. So, you know, as I said, I think it speaks volumes about what that game was and what it means to the community and how people feel not only about sort of club rugby um, but also, you know, the bigger picture, what people feel about Randwick and how much they want to come out and support those boys. Yeah, and we're blessed. We we, we play at an incredible, incredible home ground being Coogee Oval and it's got a 
remarkable history of in both cricket and, and rugby and rugby league as well. But if you get an aerial shot of where that field is and you see Coogee Beach and, and everything out there, it's, people just go, this is unbelievable. How good is this ground? So that's how we <coughs> want to advertise it. It's a great, great um, atmosphere. It's a beautiful location. And um, just watch. There'll be an international coming pretty soon. Another one. Just lastly, I'm pretty passionate about rugby myself. I played. Um, one of the things I'm pretty excited about is the growth of the women's game. Really excited to see that Ramwick now has a women's team. There's more and more young people wanting to play rugby uh, with the growth of sevens in particular. This is presenting some challenges in terms of where are they training where and the facilities. What are your thoughts about that and how do you think we can tackle it? Uh, really, really irrelevant question. Of course, we have to tackle it. Um, you know, you look at that Argentina Ramwick game and we had a women's game before on beforehand of tens. Like, have we got enough dressing rooms there for for hosting women's games before or men's games and women's? Like, we've got to rethink about and work with local government and state government of, of making those facilities now so we can have seamless men and men and women games. Likewise, uh, the Magic Train at Latham Park, we've got a fantastic synthetic pitch there, especially for their sevens training, but we need to put facilities there for, um, for those girls and, and ladies to, um, to have the best place to prepare because they, that team is just starting a journey and they have come from a club which has just started at Maroubra. It's grown to be the biggest girls' club in Australia, which is just unreal. So um, the next step is to elevate them even further. And, and we want to see I, – I spoke to the girls at the beginning of the season. We want to see you as Wallaroos. We want to see you playing for the, for the, the Waratah women. And that's so important to us. And to see – Three of the girls already on that journey is is great, um, but fifteens, as you know, is 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 a far different game from sevens. They've mastered the sevens um, very well. They've now got to master fifteens, and um, the good thing when they play fifteens, they've got they've got that spice of their sevens DNA in them, and they run the ball, and they're very entertaining, and and they've got big hearts. Yeah, I have to say that I'm I'm a much bigger fan of 15s. I love the game. I love how inclusive it is. Uh, there's a role and a job for everyone. You don't all have to be, you know, six foot fit and being able to sprint 100. You can. Everyone has a bit of a job. Um, but that's it, right? Like really for me, it's really important that we're looking at these facilities and seeing how we can open it up. We've got pitches like Burroughs, right, right at Clovelly. Absolutely beautiful grounds there. Um, it's a mod field at the moment, meaning that, you know, no one over the age of sort of 15 is really able to play a game there. What do you think the thoughts of opening up additional fields and trying to build better facilities all across the eastern suburbs so that we can get more people going? It's the biggest problem for the for the area. Uh, I think Coogee's probably regard, regarded as being, I think, the fifth most densely populated suburb in Australia. So there's a huge amount of people there. Obviously, then there's a huge amount of men and women can play sports. So um, to give Ramwick City Council good credit, that they've taken a view, okay, we can get more usage using high 
quality synthetic and it's been great for us uh, and the women and lots of schools and lots of other sports at Latham. So you'll see more of those. You'd never see Kujiaval going to uh, synthetic. That's not going to happen and no one would want it to happen, especially the cricket club. But, um, you know, Burroughs is a good good, uh, good, good idea. Um, it's probably a bit restricted from the point of view of a uh, bit of excavation on the northern end to sort of try and extend the field. It's funny coming to the Argentina Ramwick game because there's all these left curveballs come at you. So I get a, I get a um, message from Rugby Australia going, um, do you qualify for world rugby dimensions of um, the ground at Coogee Oval? And I've just gone, oh, my God, they could stop this game on dimensions. So got had a look at the um, the rules and, and and so, yeah, there are – there is flexibility around this, but, you know, five metres outside the dead ball line on both sides of the field, there's no way in the world could do the could you oval. But then again, like, you know, you've had the All Blacks play there. They didn't, didn't worry about um, potentially running into a wall at the end of the field. Um, leave it to what happens on the field. <laughs> UNSW is now uh, paired with the Wicks. What impact do you think and have you seen with the club? It's just been the most amazing partnership and – I played for the University of New South Wales for, for four seasons and they're playing in subbies. So it's very hard to get elite players to go and play play subbies. So we provided that opportunity for um, the university to link with, with a first division club. And universities are like businesses. So University of New South Wales competes big time with City University um, about everything. And it's two big dogs out there, those those universities. So it gave us the opportunity to bring players who would normally just go automatically to to Sydney University to come to come to Ramwick. Ned Hannigan's a great example. Joey's Joey's kid came to uh, college, um, finished finishing his degree. Huge character, um, War, Waratahs Wallabies. Since the partnership began, we've had eighty nine players earn degrees at uh, the University of New South Wales. Um, it's been great for the university. It's been great for those players. It's a really good way for the university to get into the community as well. And what we want to do is provide that same opportunity for um, for the women to, and we we provide up to 40, 40, 50 scholarships a year. That's the way our club approaches life through education, through through jobs. And we want to provide that, that educational and uh, career opportunity for um, some very talented young ladies as well. Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here and thank you for sharing your insights. And we've heard it here, uh, Australia, New Zealand in the final for the big dance, the World Cup. That's the call. Uh, to you, Marjorie, it's great to have you as a local member. You've done a phenomenal job getting elected. Um, you've got a huge future in, in politics and really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and great initiative. <laughs> the great communicator. Thank you. Welcome back to Coogee Voice. And wasn't it great hearing from Wallaby and Ramwick legend Simon Poitervin and hearing his insights into rugby in Australia? Now, for all you lifesavers out there, 28th of September, patrols are starting back up. You know what that means. Daylight saving is just around the corner. So thank you for joining me for the first episode of Coogee Voice, and I hope to see you next time. <laughs>